All right, what's up, guys? Thanks for downloading today's Fighters Fury podcast. So I've been on vacation for a little bit and didn't really get to weigh in on the whole fight week thing of John Jones. So what I'm going to do is you guys can listen to the fight recap. Got everything from last night that went down. And when we get done with that, um, if you guys want, I'll put a bonus segment on here and you guys can listen. I'll give my thoughts on what went down with the whole positive test thing and all that. So thank you for downloading today's show. A reminder to you, if you listen to the show live or if you've been listening to the podcast, uh, we will be on starting at 10 a.m. next week uh, on 7 night at the ticket. So you guys can sleep in a little bit. I know I will. And that'll be fun. And we'll be back and, uh, and rolling. I believe uh, Seam will be back next week. And we'll be back as a, as a full crew, ready for 2019. Thank you guys for being loyal listeners, and enjoy the show. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Hot damn, let's do this thing. Good to be back here, guys. What's going on? Tobin here with you. It is Fighters Fury. And for the next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Although that's kind of a lie. I got a couple boxing things to get to, but it's mostly going to be UFC-centric today. Last night was the final pay-per-view card of the year, UFC 232, which for the surprise of the week was in California because of all the craziness that went around, John Jones's drug test and all that stuff, which... Uh, I'm sure it's been hammered a lot this week. I've been on vacation, so I haven't really gotten to talk about it much. And I don't even know how much for the the three segments that I got you for today, how much I'm going to get into John Jones's drug testing, the believability, and how the UFC handled it. I probably will record um, you know, a whole post-show segment on it that will be available for you on the podcast. I'm sure I'll touch on it a little bit. But last night was uh, was a really important night as far as what went on inside the octagon and things that were said around it. So we'll focus mostly on the the card and all the action and and where things go from the forward, you know, any, anything in regards to that. Um, but yeah, last night was the return of John Jones. That was that was the 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 first monster story. It almost didn't happen. Uh, it seemed like it looked like another another flag test was going to derail his comeback again, and that would have been supremely disappointing because out of all things from last night, what you have to come out of the fight card watch watching last night the the thing you have to come out of last night believing is that's still the that's still the best you've ever seen do it in mixed martial arts and if you want to um raise a skeptical eyebrow at it i'm not gonna blame you man like this is professional sports and i think that anybody who's grown up especially in my generation of watching sports probably looks at performance enhancing drugs in a different way because it's been uh it's been a just a huge topic for your entire sports fan existence, knowing that that was a real thing and, and, and getting more educated on it and realizing there's different levels to this game and, and realizing that there are, <laughs> there's, there's, there's different levels of deception. And you've also seen some of the most ardent denials come back and blow up in, in, in cheaters faces. So, all the things that were said this week, it, it meant very little to me. All I really wanted to come out of this knowing was, hey, can the best to ever do it still do it? That's the thing you just want to know. What was this fight going to be like? He was taking on an opponent in Alexander Gustafsson who made him look more vulnerable than any other human being on earth ever has to the greatest of all time. What is it going to be like when he steps into that cage? And he broke him down from round one to round three till he stopped that fight it was not even close. Alexander Gustafsson didn't look in his class, and a lot of what John said in the lead-up to this fight, which I wasn't that fond of. You know, John was talking a lot about um, this fight. The reason it was so close was because of my lack of effort. It wasn't because Alexander pushed me or he had some key to success with John Jones, and I thought that was kind of a bummer and a stupid way to go about promoting the fight. Like, this is this is this should be looked upon as a, a a test of a guy who had pushed me further than any other guy had ever done in a cage before, and I wouldn't go about it discrediting him the way John really went about it. 
And, you know, it obviously all, all this stuff got fogged up with the steroid test and, and people going in that direction. But um, what John said rung true. He he really he really was a cut above Alexander Gustafsson in this fight. It really wasn't close. Alexander really didn't have anything for him. Um, John perfected that range. He's always been a master of distance. He's always been a master of range. And it looked like having that five rounds of of previous experience against him was enough to not really get hurt at all. It didn't I, I if John Jones got hit with the with a clean shot yesterday, that meant something. I don't recall it. It was it was a really masterful performance from John to to keep the distance, to not put himself in danger, and really broke Alexander down from round one until it got to the end where he didn't have a steady leg to stand on, quite literally. And John took him down, took his back, and pummeled him until the fight was stopped. And I saw a lot of opinions yesterday that John looks like he had slowed down, looked a little rusty, looked like we haven't seen the same John Jones. I mean, look, if if you wanted to go the rusty route and and say somebody looked a little bit on the downside, it wasn't John Jones. Not from from where I was sitting yesterday. Uh, Was it the most thrilling fight in the world? No, it certainly wasn't, but I think that was just, you saw that there was a lopsidedness to it. John had had the the money in the bank as far as his experience taken on Alex, and because of that, he came in with an even better game plan this time around to beat him and beat him soundly. But, you know, to say John, this has been a weird thing. You know, anytime John doesn't go out there and maul somebody or destroy somebody which has never really been his style you know he's gone out there and he's broken guys down over five rounds in plenty of his title fights and people have gone with this uh you know if it's if he if he doesn't go and and knock you into the next row like it was against osp people always say osp is the worst he's ever looked in the i guess is that because he's taking on osp and he didn't beat him in 30 seconds no it's a dangerous guy that he's taken on broke his arm and won every facet of the fight um, there was a lot of that yesterday in the first round. People saying John Jones didn't look as good. I, I, I guess. I mean, he hit, he hit uh, an elbow from distance, um, hitting his body kicks, which which looked hellacious. Every single one he landed to Alexander's midsection. Um, lower leg kicked him until the guy couldn't stand anymore. Took him down, took his back. Looked like he was going to break his arm. And pummeled the pummeled his head until the ref said no no more. I mean, if that's if that's rusty, only anybody else can help uh, can hope to look that rusty. I, I I didn't see it, but I saw a lot of that narrative yesterday. Um, even Daniel Cormier apparently, according to Dana White, was saying that John Jones looked a little slow. And it's like did what is that? Is that because he was on his bicycle a lot with with Gus, who was who was coming with a more aggressive approach? I don't know, man. I. I thought that he still looked supreme, and and if you were to look at that first fight to where this is, even with it being five years apart, um, naturally I think somebody a little bit uh, five years older is probably going to look a little bit slower. Um, but it's not like we're it, you know it was funny hearing that from Daniel Cormier because it's like uh, well DC are you coming into this thing with a speed advantage is is that is that what we're we're hoping to close the gap is speed. Um, I don't know. I don't see it. So John retain or John gets back his title. Um, although you can you can excuse my slip where I say retains because you know he gets back to what's been his and that's been his division. That's two oh five. That's where he's reigned supreme for uh, a long, long time outside of all of the stuff that has messed it up. And now you just hope that this is something um, that could get back to where it was. That John Jones can go. And, and have a reign that lasts a long time, that he's in the cage quite frequently, and and that this drug testing thing, though I think it's going to be something that's always attached to his career because at this point it is what it is. If you've had three different bouts flare up with tests, I don't want to hear about long-term metabolites, short-term metabolites, medium-term metabolites. Picograms, picograms, milligrams, kilograms, any of that stuff. It's going to be something tied to him forever. It is. Uh, it, it's really, it, it, it's it's upon the fan now to decide what does that mean to you? 
Um, do you feel like that's what has made him as great as it is? Some of you will say yes. Some of you will say no. I know that I've never been a person where performance-enhancing drugs have been the grandest crime um, that has outraged me as a fan. It just doesn't. I I, I, I don't think that um, many civilians have a good grasp of it. Uh, many people who aren't professional athletes have a good grasp of it. But there are plenty of professional athletes who do it the natural way, like a Daniel Cormier. You could definitely tell by... Uh, well, I shouldn't say definitely. I mean, Bartolo Colon failed his steroid test, for God's sakes. But we can all assume that a guy like Daniel Cormier, based on the eye test, has never touched a performance-enhancing drug in his life. And I can get for him why that's frustrating, that John Jones is given pass after pass after pass. Um, But I come out of last night, and I think that things are restored a little bit. DC is relinquished his belt before this fight. He didn't allow himself to be stripped if that matters to anybody. And I guess the question now goes, where does where does John go from here? And the natural place everybody went to yesterday was we need to see John Jones against Daniel Cormier a third time. It was crazy. I mean, it was like you know, they were they were they were hot on on the broadcast afterwards. Uh John did call him out. He said uh that daddy's home. Come get your uh, come get your belt back if you're a real double champ, and I get that from John. You know, John John is right to say that DC's reign as the light heavyweight champion is suspect, and I don't think that's anything as fans or people who cover the sport. Um, I I don't think that that's something that should just be brushed aside. You know, there was a lot of uh, talk of, oh, Daniel Cormier, is he one of the greatest of all time? Is, Dan- is DC is DC in consideration in the GOAT in the goat conversation? And it's just like, we can't really, no, I, I can't. I can't put him there. Is he, is, he, uh, is, is he an all-time great? Absolutely. Daniel Cormier is an all-time great. And if it weren't for John Jones, maybe we could have the conversation of him being the greatest of all time. But I can't forget what my eyes have seen. I can't. Um, we, we can't forget that there was a, there was a fight where they, they took each other on and, and John dominated, he dominated over five rounds. And I can't forget that head kick, um, you know, taking into account that yes, there was also a steroid test, but ultimately I think that John Jones is more well-rounded. He's obviously got a huge physical advantage over DC from a range standpoint, from a size standpoint. Um, I mean, DC has to be so perfect in the line of fire in that fight to think that he's maybe going to catch one of those big shots. He's got to get, he's got to do what he did to Stipe against John, but to do to John, what he did to Stipe, it's such a, it's such a, a dangerous game he's playing because of the versatile striker that John is, you know, I, I just you give DC all the steroids that you want. Like I don't, I'm never gonna think putting those two up against each other. That ten times out of ten, I think John's coming out of that thing with his hand raised. I really do. So this idea that DC was in competition for the greatest of all, I just all right. If we're gonna do that, and you want to say that in your world that the greatest of all time is either DC or Mighty Mouse because you don't believe that they ever touched anything, cool. That's fine, man. That's not the world I live in. That's not that's not how I go back and judge these things because I can always distinguish and tell the other parts of the story. Yeah, I think John Jones was the greatest of all time to ever do it. And also he had these hiccups. And also he had these sketchy, spotty steroid tests uh in in a in a sport that has been riddled with it. Um but the talk yesterday was heavy on to, we got to do this a third time. Well, there's a couple things. Okay, if you're going to do it a third time, and I'm putting on my fight promoter cap here, if you're going to do it a third time, you better do it at heavyweight. I don't want to hear anything about John Jones versus Daniel Cormier at 205 ever again. I've seen it. I don't care about the tests. We can't we can't be doing this dance forever with the test, the test, the test. Because it's done. 
the fight happened. We we all saw it with our eyes. So, all right, let's say you guys can monitor John Jones 24-7. You got surveillance on him. You know, maybe they could sponsor it as a reality show. You could you can monitor John Jones left and right on, on, on his training up to do you does anybody here, if I guaranteed you, you got to watch every movement, every intake of what John Jones has in a in a light heavyweight fight against Daniel Cormier. How many of us have have the 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 melons have the marbles? To bet on Daniel Cormier. You had, to, you had to bet your mortgage on it that Daniel Cormier was going to win that fight. How many of us would bet that? 0.0? Nobody. Nobody in a light heavyweight contest would think Daniel Cormier versus, I guarantee you, it's a clean John Jones. You would think that DC is going to win that fight. So the only way you can make it any kind of interesting is to put it at heavyweight. It's the only way. You have to put some new wrinkle in it. And I get it. You know, these guys want to, you know, they want to have it at an even playing field or or DC wants to have it as, you know, I got to beat him at this this weight class to get. It's like, you can, man, but all right, let's say you go and win. Then it's 2-1. You didn't win the trilogy. And if you want to put it 1-1-1 one, one, and one because you have a no con- All right, but. That's not how that's not how 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 many of us how how long have you been trying to rewrite that story? It's why that heavyweight title was so important to Daniel Cormier. Being undisputed heavyweight champion of the world is the biggest accomplishment of Daniel Cormier's career. Not being the double champ, winning that championship, he had something separate from John Jones. He had something that vindicated him. He had something that 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 to fans they could say, "All right, man, you beat Stipe Miocic." The, the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, the guy with the m- most defenses at heavyweight, and you cleaned him out in a round, that can't be taken away from you. This, this, but he's, you, you know, if you're going to chase this John Jones dragon forever, um, you, you just, I feel like he's going to come up very, very short in, in being satisfied with what that's going to mean to his career. Here's another thing that I think, was was a bit of a misnomer. So I, I was watching uh, Ariel Hawani and Chael Sonnen, and Ariel Hawani goes on, and who I think is you know fantastic at his job, but he he calls this this is the greatest rivalry. There's this is the biggest money fight out there, and it's like I wonder how much how much longer these guys bleep talking each other and saying the same jabs about John being a steroid cheat and DC. Um, and John being DC's daddy and being able to slap his wife on the ass and 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 Daniel not being able to do anything about it, how long before that runs old? Because if you're gonna do it again, it's really got nothing left. And I really think that people will grow stale of it. I think they already are. I think people, you know, you already saw the people yesterday with with DC coming out with his tweets saying. Oh, he should win that fight. He, he was already ahead, or you know, you know, d- him being mad at Dominic Cruz for saying that you know, oh, he's going to fight Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has a has a brick of steroids in him. If if John Jones has a pinch of salt, I think what you're going to end up doing in that fight is is just peeing all over Daniel Cormier and his career, and I think that people's excitement for a third fight between these two is going to wane a lot. I really, really do. Um, If you were to add some stipulation, like there's been all this talk about the Brock Lesnar fight, winner gets Brock Lesnar. That was the one thing that I thought was interesting. Nobody asked uh, John Jones, and I watched basically every interview with him yesterday. Nobody asked him about the Brock Lesnar situation. You know, when before John got suspended again, the last person he called out was Brock Lesnar. And DC really, really snuck in and took that away from him and we were just accepting of the fact of oh uh dc's gonna fight brock lesnar but i think the interesting thing would be like all right fight for the heavyweight championship and then the winner's gonna defend against brock lesnar now we're talking now now we got our promoters hats on and and we're saying okay not only is there gonna be a conclusion to this but also there's this that to me would be more exciting, but man, these guys doing it again in light heavyweight. We, we're we're in such reruns if we're going to do that again.
and and I, I just think that from from the standpoint of hey, what what really is going to get the fans going the most? I just know from my standpoint, a guy who's who's who covers this sport, who is is into the 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 week in and week out stuff. I, I got a little bit of John Jones DC fatigue, man. I really, really do. I'd like to see John Jones do some new things. I wouldn't mind seeing DC take on Brock Lesnar or Stipe or, you know, somebody down the line a couple more times at heavyweight. He wraps up an awesome career, and that's it, man, because I know who the better fighter is. I know John Jones is better than Daniel Cormier, even if Daniel Cormier doesn't know that. You know that he's. You know that John Jones is better than Daniel Cormier? Mostly everybody knows that John Jones is better than Daniel Cormier. And I, 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 he's, you're not going to find a better person in the sport than DC, a guy who deserves to go off on, on a real high note as his career winds down. Um, but it felt yesterday almost gross. Like everybody was trying, like Dan, you know, uh, Dana White was like the cat eating the canary where he's like, you know, oh, DC wants three more fights, you know, you know, him and John and Brock and Stipe, it's like. He can make a one and two in those last three. Four. What are you talking about, Dan? Like, I, it feels like almost they're not sure they could sell John Jones against anybody else, and they seem desperate to put this DC fight together. And I feel like, from this standpoint, it, it's almost like let's see what John can do against the new era of guys. You know, there's a couple more old heads that he's got to take on. Anthony Smith has had a bit of a resurgence. Um, if Luke Rockhold comes to light heavyweight, if Yoel Romero, although I think there's some friendship there, goes to light heavyweight, be into that. Um, the, the, you know, if, if, if style bender ends up ever moving up, if he wins the title, um, you know, the light heavyweight division as itself is not fantastic right now. Uh, Dominic Reyes, if he, if he continues to make a run, something like that, but I'm more interested in seeing like, can John just defend the throne? Let's just see the best to ever do it in that octagon just do it in that octagon for a little bit and see now the story can be who's the guy who's going to dethrone him rather than this old head rivalry that's going to have the same corny ass jokes the same lame ass storyline time after time again and you know what the result's going to be it'd be like it's like going to a comedy show you know the set list you know the jokes they're going to tell and you know the punchline we know we know it's time to it's time to put a bow on John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. Unless you do it at heavyweight with some cool Brock Lesnar stipulation, I'm kind of done with it, man. I got to be honest with you. But even with all that stuff that went down yesterday and the return of John Jones, I don't know if anybody shined brighter than Amanda Nunes and what she did to Cyborg yesterday. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Good to be back. Good to be back in the radio booth. Um, we'll be back in full swing on Wednesday. I'm going to be uh, uh, a lazy bastard and take my last two days, my last day of 2018, and then the company holiday. So last night was UFC 232. Uh, we went the full scale with John Jones and DC and all that stuff. Um, you can text the show too at the NunezLaw.com text line six seven nine seven four. Uh, somebody else says Cornier is trying to say that John Jones looks slow. Clown talk. Yeah, that's what Dan. That's what Dana White said. Dana was like, yeah, DC was texting me and the fight. He says John. John looks slow, and I was like, ah, like really? Like that? That's gonna be the last. The last leg you go. John looks slow. All right. <laughs> Great bully for you, DC. He looks slow, and then and then what? Like you're gonna get into that wood chipper of the of those elbows and knees, and you know we 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 saw him get kicked into oblivion. He got kicked into a concussion. He was weeping, uh, in, in the middle of the octagon. Joe Rogan. Um, it's just yeah, we've seen all. To me, we've seen all we could see there. We've seen all, all we could see. Now last night with uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith being on. The post game for Fox, the the last post uh, post fight show for Fox before they moved to ESPN, um, wasn't a great first build up as as he's trying to you know make his case for wanting people to see him fight John Jones. But you know I I do think he's as good a he's as good a 
candidate as anybody, just to see some new blood, somebody that John hasn't faced. It's kind of it, it would be good just to get out of this era of you know John. John has slayed all the legends, you know Shogun, Lyoto, Vitor, Chael. He's he's uh, Rashad Evans. He has taken out all of the big names that basically paved the way at 205, except for Chuck Liddell, basically. Um, so there's that era, and then there's gonna be there was this era that is the John Jones early prime era, which was his rivalry with DC Gus. We never really got the fight with uh, with Rumble Johnson, although he was in there as a contender, and then Glover Teixeira. So he slayed three out of four of those, and we just never quite got the Rumble fight because of suspensions and him losing to DC and all that stuff. And people always looked and said, well, he's got knock you dead power. We never really got to see that. He ended up retiring. He looks, I mean, swole as hell. I think he's a bodybuilder now. I saw him recently at um, Tyrone Spong's fight. He's massive. So maybe they see each other one day at heavyweight. I don't know. But for right now, I think it's a good time to see, all right, who are the people that are going to step up at 205 and and really make a name for themselves? And, yeah, I think I think Anthony Smith is kind of the guy right now. He's three. He was behind right those guys. He's been on a nice roll. Let's see what he can do. It's been this weird late resurgence that he's had in his career. I'd be into seeing that. I'd be into seeing that, that go down and – and let's just kind of go into this new new wave. Why, if if you really do want to have the John DC thing be a thing, have these guys fight in the spring on the same card. I think that'd be interesting. Have them both defend their belts on the same card um, to to respark it up. I just think that it needs something new. I can't. It can't be the same thing. But I've expounded on this enough. I really want to get to Amanda Nunes. She was awesome last night. Uh, whiffed on that call. I, I will I will raise my hand um, and, and let you know. I whiffed on that. I was like most people in the betting public who thought, look, Amanda Nunes is fantastic, and she is dynamic and all that stuff, but it feels like she's biting off a little bit more than she can chew, and I was also among the thought that even Cyborg was with that, like, all right, what are you going to have extra time to prepare for Cyborg? Is that... Is that uh, is anything really going to change here size wise? Is it going to be that significant? And really, once you once you got the look at them, like once you got to the eye to eye of those two standing in the cage, the size difference wasn't that massive as far as getting the look at them. Like it really did pay off for for Amanda to have that kind of time to prepare. But also, I mean, she was she she was cracking like crazy. And I, here's the other thing: this was a misnomer that I heard yesterday. I felt a lot of people were going into this and saying that um, a lot of people saw the result of what she did. She cleaned up Cyborg in 51 seconds, cracking the hell out of her. <laughs> people were saying, uh, you know, power's great, but accuracy means more. It's like Amanda was pretty damn powerful because she also whiffed on like three haymakers. She was throwing bombs at Chris Cyborg. That fight was going to go down in one round one way or another. She was she was bringing absolute heat and miss there wasn't no this wasn't a oh, oh she was uh she was really at the end of her punches and breaking her down. Nah, she was she was bringing absolute nukes to that fight and looking to put Chris Cyborg away. And she probably put her away about four times. It was it was thrilling. And you know what's crazy about it? You know Women's mixed martial arts, it was it's in a bit of a weird spot with the weight classes right now and where 145 goes from here. But I will tell you, some of the most thrilling endings have been in these in these in these women's co-main events. Rose Nami Yunus doing what she did to Yoana comes to mind, and and th- this is right there with it. Uh Misha Tate and her late pull-off against Holly Holm comes to mind. Some of these main events and these title fights all time with with what these women do. It's it's so stupendous. It really is thrilling. But when you get that unexpected result, it's it's like nothing else. And this was to determine who the baddest woman of all time was. And I there's there's not a debate I think you can soundly come up with that it's not Amanda Nunes. It, 
beating, first of all, the biggest star, the biggest pioneer in women's mixed martial arts in Ronda Rousey. You know, put, Ronda putting the stage, putting women's fighting on the stage to where it is. A lot of people can go and they can they can make the jokes about Ronda and say that she was a flash in the pan or she was overrated. You know, I I, I more than anything that think that Ronda the problem was that she was rolling through people so easily with her armbar and, and got and fell in love with her striking that it caused some of that. Like you believe you buy into your own hype, but either way, Amanda destroyed her. It just 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 like a. Like a buzzsaw destroyed Ronda Rousey. She beat Misha Tate to win the title, and Misha Tate, I, I, I mean, is is Hall of Fame quality. I mean, she's that important to women's mixed martial arts. She had she was the Strike Force champion. She was the women's champion. She beat Holly Holm. Um, it, it's 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 to me a very impressive win. She beat Jermaine Durand, Jermaine Durandamy who was a former featherweight champion, beat Holly Holm, although very, very sketchy, but still a very decent thing on your resume. Had two razor, razor close fights with Valentina Shevchenko, and understandably so, Valentina might be the second baddest woman on the planet, uh, but has two victories over her, and now goes and destroys the boogie, the boogie woman, really, in, in Chris Cyborg, a woman they made a division for, can't find opponents for. Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamy left her belt. She was the featherweight champion and and was told, all right, Cyborg's up next. She's like, mm, no, it's not. I'm going to give you the championship. Thank you for letting me play. I'm going to go back to 135. It was one of the most disgraceful title reigns we've ever seen. She was just, okay, Jermaine, great. You won. Very sketchy fight, but you are the champion. Now you got to fight Chris Cyborg. She's like, no, I will not. See you later. And Amanda took on the most feared woman to ever step inside the octagon and destroyed her. It's it's not a debate. There's nothing that there's nothing that has to be seen here anymore. Um, maybe Rose Namajunas builds up her resume to a point where she can get there one day. Uh, she'd have to probably go up in weight class and beat somebody to to add something like this. But to think that she's ever going to beat somebody, the star quality of Ronda Rousey, the longest reigning women's champion. Um. To think she's going to beat somebody with the fear factor of Cyborg. You know, Joanna was an absolute monster, but Joanna didn't have the knock you dead, made people scared to go in the ring with her. That wasn't her. She's she break you down over five rounds. She wasn't, hey, uh, hit you and change your face like, like, uh, like Chris Cyborg did to Holly Holm. It, it's not that. So... It was just a, it was it was a stupendous performance from Amanda Nunes, a, an all timer. The one thing uh, I will say was a bit misguided though yesterday in regards to Amanda Nunes was this this um, the mispromotion of her. We'll get into that on the other side because I find that fascinating. People thinking that the UFC hasn't really done right by Amanda, and I don't know if I completely buy into that. Plus, there was a lot of other weird stuff that went down in UFC 232. So we'll run down the rest of the card when we come back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Recapping UFC 232. Very fun way to end the the year. Great card yesterday. A lot of good fights. Uh, interesting fights. Weird ways that the fights have ended. Um, so we were talking a little bit about Amanda Nunes closing out last segment. And I wanted to, I wanted to get to this point um, in regards to Amanda. So, there's a couple things that I, I found a little bit weird. Well, mostly because everybody was going to the root of, well, the UFC has to promote her the right way, and and that and that they they better not drop the ball this time like they did with the Ronda Rousey fight. And I get it. Um, I you know you you felt like the the promotion was too much around Ronda the first time she had a big win like this, and that once Ronda won. They didn't. Uh, they didn't promote her the same way. And I look, guys. I don't really know what to say. It would be the the secret sauce to this uh, to this star power thing. But Amanda has headlined two pay per views and been on others since the Ronda Rousey fight. She was she headlined two pay per views 
uh, this year, and it was a combined 185,000 pay-per-view buys. So it's not like she didn't get the platform to be... It's not like she didn't get the platform to 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 carry the ball herself and and headline cards. She's gotten to headline UFC 200, got to headline a, a card with Ronda Rousey, and got to co-main event the uh, a fight with Chris Cyborg, which I imagine is going to do fantastic business. So I don't feel like they haven't uh, been in the situation where they haven't done right by Amanda Nunes. Can you say that Amanda's been a little bit underrated in her career? Well, here's the thing that's interesting about that. You know, Amanda has. One of the uh, one of the things that's awesome about her, and is the untold story about her, is you know she's gotten to this point as the best women's fighter of all time, and this is a woman who 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 suffered losses. I think she had four in her career. She has close wins against Valentina Shevchenko. You know she's she's really taken on all comers, but you know she's blossomed into this. And the thing that you can say most about Amanda, she has been. Uh, the most dynamic on the biggest stages. When she has been in those huge showcases against Ronda, against Misha Tate, against Chris Cyborg, those have been her most dynamic wins. And that's, and she's already had two of those moments on on hugely watched pay-per-views. So if the UFC's not doing right, I, I, don't, I don't really know what else they can do to do right by her. You know, is the, you know, is it not enough Tonight Show appearances? Is it not, not enough, uh, Interviews, like, saw plenty of stories this week about Amanda and, and what was on the line here and her awesome relationship with uh, with her fiancé, Nina, who both trained American top team. And I feel like the coverage is there from a media standpoint and all that stuff. It's just what gets the fans into it. What is going to be that thing that buys into it? You know, do they do more cards for her in Brazil to give her that star quality feel? Maybe. But, I, you know, I, I, do, I don't think that they're – is uh, I I felt like that was a bit unfair yesterday that that uh, that people were looking at the UFC and saying they you know they don't really embrace Amanda the way they should like she you know look Chris Cyborg has been in the minds of MMA fans now since 2000, 2010, you know since Strike Force since the days of Gina Carano like it's been a long time um, Ronda Rousey was the face of women's mixed martial arts you know. Sometimes the story is going to be who loses more than who wins. It's just the way it is. You know, if if, if there is a grand upset, um, a lot of the times the bigger story is who who the loser is, especially in the case of Ronda where you're talking about probably the end of a career. With Chris, you know, Chris Cyborg losing yesterday, not really the end of a career. And I don't think anybody looks at this and says, well, you know, Chris Cyborg was a fraud the whole time. You know, there, there was a lot of that with the with the Ronda Rousey thing too. You know, uh, part of that also has to do with look, Chris lost with uh, with Grace yesterday. She did the press conference yesterday, even though she showed up to the press conference uh, with a pillow, masking her face with a pillow as a, as a joke to Ronda Rousey in the time she lost. Um, but I feel like I feel like the support from the from the company standpoint has been there with Amanda Nunes. She she texted Dana White. She was the one who made this fight happen. Um, and not only that, you know, went and kind of celebrated with Dana White afterwards. So I feel like the support's been there for her. Um, and, and there's just – sometimes I think we, we get a little bit too crazy with with saying, oh, th- th- this person doesn't support nah, – it's like you just got to realize there's a very, very few number of people who can be a superstar and and can click on that level. Not everybody's a Connor, not everybody's a Ronda. And not everybody's a, a John Jones. And if she continues to do this, maybe she will get to that level. But I don't think it's going to be from a lack of trying by the UFC. Um, what do they do next for her is going to be an interesting one because, you know, she has both of these belts now. 145 doesn't really have a division. Megan Anderson won yesterday. She's really the only other pure 145er on the roster. Um, it'll be interesting. I... I, I I got to think that they're either going to go, if she stays at 145, you would say it probably has to be against Megan Anderson, even though that fight ended super weird yesterday. If Katzengano would have won, I think that would have been an absolute monster fight that you could have made against Amanda. And if you guys missed what happened on the prelims, Megan Anderson kicked Katzengano, but it was basically she caught her with her toenail and sliced her eyelid. And so it's the same effect as, as an eye poke, which is an illegal maneuver. 
You're not allowed to eye poke somebody. It's 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 one of the few illegal moves in mixed martial arts. There's not many. Can't punch in the back of the head. Can't you know punch somebody below the belt, and you can't eye gouge somebody. Those are pretty much the the, the main three as far as illegal strikes are concerned. But nobody ever takes account for for toe pokes. It's weird. So they she she got the the top of her eye sliced. Some people thought that maybe it actually got her eyeball. It, it, it thankfully wasn't that. But Cat basically stopped fighting as it happened. Stopped fighting. Uh, Megan swarmed her, and that was the end of the fight. And so Cat's in Gano, who has a, a a monster win over Amanda Nunes in her career. She can't take that stage to get another title shot. She's she's kind of always just been out of reach since losing. The tie, uh, since since losing in a title fight to Ronda, she has a couple of weird losses. She lost to Ronda on a quick inverted armbar, one of the weirdest finishes we've ever seen, and now this, uh, which is unfortunate, you know, because Cat also had her own uh, troubles that she had to get through with uh, the the tragedy that happened in her personal life. Her husband took her own took his own life, and that put her on the shelf for a little bit. And um, she is she is absolutely she she's a, a a load to handle, but I think that. With uh, a finish like this, maybe they run back the Megan Anderson fight. Um, but yeah, that's a win, you know. And it's not illegal. She couldn't fight anymore. It's a win. It's not a great win. It's not a, a win. I think that Megan's going to write home about. But a win's a win. So, um, did they do the fight with Amanda versus Megan? I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Megan's been in the 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 mindset enough. Um, if they just kind of vacate 145, I don't know what happens to Megan Anderson. She's gigantic. She's six. They say she's six foot. This almost feels like a Kevin Durant thing where Kevin Durant lies and says he's 6'10", even though he's seven foot. I, I see her in the cage. She looks like Stefan Struve. Like, I, I feel like she's she's like 6'3". She's gigantic. And she has these giant tree trunk legs that that reach crazy. Um, But... She's kind of like the last, the last one standing there. Now they have this, they do have this ESPN deal coming up, and they have a ton of cards to fill. So I think it'd be smart to have another weight class. Um, and if you're Amanda Nunes, do you want to keep cutting weight to 135? I mean, honestly, 135 kind of goes as Amanda goes. If Amanda wants to go to 145 and stay there and defend that belt. Then that becomes the division. I think Jermaine Durandamy goes back up because she doesn't have to face Cyborg right away. Um, you look at Holly Holm. Holly Holm's fought at 145. Is probably doesn't have to cut as much to get there. And you know maybe maybe 135 is is left there to kind of sort itself out and things can happen there. But um, that's yeah. I think that's all kind of on the. Here's the one thing I will say: rematch with Chris Cyborg. Not into it. Not into it. And I've always, I've always been in the camp of, if you get destroyed like that, I'm not into seeing it right away. I don't care if you have a lot of title defenses, but once that's done, it's done. When when Connor did what he did to Jose Aldo, people were like, "Oh, that was a fluke, automatic rematch." Nah, the, he destroyed you. The, the fight is what it is. Uh, when Tyrone did what he did to Robbie Lawler, it's it, the, the stamp has been made. What, why it has to be done over why, – why we look upon somebody beating the hell out of somebody over five rounds in a different way to somebody beating somebody in 30, 45, 50 seconds is weird to me. These two got into a cage and had a slugfest, and, and she beat her under a minute. Why does that deserve an immediate rematch? Chris, Chris Cyborg's been in the game for a while? I'm not about it. Sometimes there's a case where – like in Rose versus Yoana, there's really no other options. But, I, you know, for the most part, I'm not a fan of when a, when a fight goes the way it goes. DC versus Stipe. I wouldn't, you know, okay, I get why Stipe probably deserves a rematch because they've done that before, but I'm not a huge fan of it. I've seen it. Beat the hell out of him. Beat the brakes off of him. What else needs to be said? Um... And a lot of the times it's the same story, almost in a, in, in a worse fashion the next time around. Kane versus Junior Dos Santos is like one that comes to mind. Uh, George St. Pierre getting his getting his revenge, but other than that, a lot of the times it goes it goes the the similar route. When a guy loses that way or loses in that fashion that quickly, you know maybe it'll last a little bit longer, but the beating might be worse. 
So I'm not really a fan of Chris Cyborg versus Amanda next. Um, maybe do Chris Cyborg versus Megan Anderson next. You know, that's a matchup they've been wanting to do. They've talked about doing. Um, and if Chris wins that fight and beats Megan Anderson, she gets the title shot. If Megan Anderson wins that fight, you know, then maybe she fights Amanda Nunes at 145. I don't know. But I just, I think Chris needs to go and win a fight. That's it. You go win a fight. I don't think she should get an, a re, an immediate rematch. I think there's too many options open out there for Amanda. Maybe fight Holly Holm. Maybe fight Jermaine Duranemi. Something like that. Um, this Katzengano, though Katzengano lost, it's not like this humiliating loss and was still a top five contender at a different weight class. She has a win over the champion. I wouldn't think it'd be outrageous to give her a title shot at 135. Um, probably best that she gets a win, but I wouldn't think it outrageous. So there's that. Uh, BJ Penn lost yesterday to Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall had a, it became the first person ever to do submit BJ Penn. Six submission by him, rolling heel hook. Uh, BJ Penn now has lost six fights in a row. Uh, Dana White stressed that he wanted him to retire. They really did Taylor made this into a fight where BJ wasn't going to get knocked out. So, you know, you lose like this, where do you go from here? I, I got to think BJ is done with you. I, you know, let BJ go fight somewhere else um, if he wants to continue fighting. But the, the run in the UFC just feels like that thing has just come to a complete end. Um, big other notes from yesterday. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky beating Chad Mendez. That was fight of the night. That was an absolute barn burner. Really, really sick bout. Uh, Volkanovsky now puts himself in contention at 145. He says he's a nightmare matchup for Max Holloway. I don't know how much longer Max Holloway is going to be at 145. Um, I don't think that Volkanovski necessarily has all the tools to go and beat Max Holloway. That, that Max Holloway, that that size that he has at that division. It's it, Max Holloway at 145, it's it, it's almost bringing the same skill set that John has at 205. John Jones has at 205. It's just such a scary advantage from a reach standpoint, from a size standpoint, from a versatility standpoint. I don't I, good good on him for having the the confidence. I don't see him uh, being a nightmare matchup for him. Uh, and Michael Chiesa getting a big win over Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit's now lost five straight. Uh, he called out Neil Magny afterwards. Uh, great uh, submission, a one arm Kimura to uh, to make Carlos Condit tap yesterday. And you know he looks great. He looks great at absolute, uh, at, at welterweight. So Michael Chiesa looks like he's found himself a new home. So yeah, man, that was the uh, that was the show yesterday. UFC two thirty two, fantastic way to end the card. Um, now we go off into twenty nineteen with ESPN and UFC being partners. So that'll be interesting to see how that all rolls out, and it'll be fun. So everybody have a great rest of your day. Aqua Orange pregame show is coming up next. Reminder to everybody: we will now be on at ten a.m. starting next week because the Dolphins don't make the playoffs. That's not a thing. So there is no more Aqua Orange pregame show after this week. So we will get a little bit more beauty sleep, which I need because my eyes look like absolute crap because I stayed up watching press conferences till 3 a.m. like a moron. And I don't even know if I referenced any of them. All right, guys, bonus segment here. So I told you guys uh, on the show and in the in the pre-fight role or the pre-podcast role that I'll give my thoughts on what went down with John and the whole testing thing with Nowitzki. So, as you guys heard on the the recap, I don't think that John having this test, it doesn't change in my eyes that he's the best I've ever seen do it. So, I want to put that flatly out there. Like, I think John Jones is the best guy to ever grace the octagon. He's the most talented. Um, you know, when I was growing up, my favorite non-Marlins baseball player and one of my favorite athletes was Barry Bonds. We all know Barry Bonds did a, a ton of steroids. His head swelled up. Um, a lot of that, if you were the book Game of Shadows, had to do with him being pissed about the attention that went to uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and knowing that he's better than both those guys. So he juiced up and smashed their records. And even with that knowledge, I still look upon Barry Bonds as the greatest baseball player of all time in an era where, um, in an era where everybody was juicing to the gills. I say everyone, but most people were juicing the gills. It was culture of the game. Or you're using some type of performance-enhancing drugs. So uh, uh, t- to take you guys back a little bit, I don't know you know, how long a lot of you have been UFC fans. I kind of got into UFC a little bit later than a lot of 
other people did. I didn't get into it like into the prime. I was actually, you know, Alex Don was funny. Alex and I were, were boys here at the station and uh, I was the big boxing guy and he was the big UFC guy. And, you know, Alex told me about a couple of guys that I, you know, that I really glammed on. He's like, you got to check out this dude, Fedor. We went out. We actually watched Fedor lose to, who did we watch him lose? I think it was to Bigfoot. I think we lost, uh, I think we watched that fight. Uh, I want to say it was at Sandbar. And the other guy, uh, all credit to him, was watching was uh, was John Jones. He's like, got to watch this guy, John Jones. And so I watched John Jones. This dude was absolutely fantastic we watched uh we watched john jones blossom before our eyes all of us here as fans and this dude ran through everybody everybody every legend they could come up with had some of the coolest maneuvers you ever seen did things in the octagon that nobody ever seen be done uh you know standing guillotine to leona machito one of the coolest things ever seen a lot of people didn't love john jones it rubbed him the wrong way but the other thing that has to be told about john jones is John Jones came up in this TRT era. Like this guy has been, this guy has been growing up in the Barry Bonds era of, of mixed martial arts. Everybody was doing it and it was just part of the culture of the sport. So I don't find it that crazy that John Jones was using stuff his entire career um, because it was part of the culture of the sport. You know, and and so to think that he's still been doing it is not that wild to me. I'm not throwing out accusations. I'm not throwing out um, crazy stuff here. It's just that's the way I feel, and I don't look at it as um, I don't look at John any worse for it. I'm just like, yeah, it's, that's that was the sport. Well, welcome to it, and I still think he's the best I've ever seen do it. I and and I still think that if we were guaranteed that. He was clean. Um, we could monitor him. I still think he'd do what he did to Daniel Cormier, and I think that if um, and I think that if we knew that him and Cormier were on the same level of steroids, I gave them all the same uh, Turnabal, Clembuterol, uh, Deca, you name it, horse steroids that you'd love. I, think, I still think John Jones comes out on top. So. I just want to put that all out there kind of as a precursor. Steroids, not the biggest crime to me. Uh, do I think John Jones has used PEDs? Yes. Knowingly? Yes. Um, does it affect how I see him very much? Not really. But um, this week, this is, the, this, this is what I found the worst part of the week, all right? Because he's had all this stuff. That has gone down because John, John Jones, the problem with it is I'm a huge John Jones fan. All right. Here's what the problem is with, with the stuff that went down this week. It's a problem that it's always him, you know, like you come to a point where as a fan, you're just like, you throw your arms up and you're just like, Hey man, like as a guy who supports you, I don't really know what I can say to defend this. And so, you know, John Jones has had two failed drug tests. He's been suspended 18 months for one of them, uh, was told that he corro- uh, corroborated with USADA and made deals with USADA uh, to to get a lighter suspension, has had people bend over backwards to get him off two suspensions. And... The other part of it is, and the and the real and the reality of it is, is he is the highest profile athlete um, from from a marketing standpoint to have this stuff derail his career. You know, there's been bigger names, Chael, uh, You know, there's been big names, Chael Sonnen, um, failing a test was was a big deal, and him having to leave um, to go to Bellator was a big deal because he was a big box office draw. But he was also at the end of his career, and Chael's never been the winner that John is. You can't even compare the two. Um, this, you know, this is, this is like finding out, you know, that Barry Bonds would be suspended for steroids. So we come to this week where he's fighting Alexander Gustafsson and what's supposed to be his big comeback, which is supposed to be his return. He's fighting a guy who he says he fought on, you know, no training, uh, partying, all that stuff. And... You know, this test comes up and we hear things about it. It's just, it's hard as a fan 
to look at what happened this week and not feel like it was all a cover up or that it was just sketchy, you know, like the idea that all these guys, all these, these fighters are going and having test after test. We never hear about this pulsating, uh, metabolite or picograms or any of this stuff. But the only guy who gets to describe it is John. And John, you know, one of the things that bothered me on this tour so much is I feel like he is almost going too heavy in the direction of trying to prove that he didn't do anything. Because here's the thing. He keeps going with this explanation of, well, you're telling me that this much of a, a size of something is the reason I'm that good. It's like, no, man, nobody's saying that that size of something is the reason you're that good is. But if one were to sit here and um, if, if one were to sit here and say, why is that in your system at that level? You could say microdosing you could say that that stuff is try to get out of a system and you just keep getting caught. Uh, nobody's saying that that's the small amount that you took and it got to that level. Those people would deduce that you took a bigger level and that it was trying to get out of your system, but the testing just keeps getting better. So I, I just find his explanation weird and bogus. And, and you know, Dana, he's going out there and he's trying to say, hey, hey John's this great guy. It's like, Dana, you've come out and said, this is a guy who's never going to main event for you again, ever. And... You know, I think most of us who follow Dana knows that he says a lot of hot air stuff. But even with you having that said, saying that about him in the past, then you getting on SportsCenter with Jeff Nowitzki and saying, <laughs> and saying, oh, he did nothing wrong. It's like, well, what is this? You know, a commission in Nevada is not going to license him without a hearing. Excuse us if we don't reach up and say, hey, hey, guys, this is a little bit weird. This is this. Excuse me if we don't find this a little bit strange that it's only this guy that other people in the sport have popped for this kind of stuff and have been suspended to the fullest extent of the law two years. People will say, ah, double jeopardy. It's uh, it's it's like double jeopardy. It's like this. The, the you know how do we know this is double jeopardy? How do we know this isn't the same substance that that is coming up? And they just keep throwing it under the guise of well, USADA. USADA says so. And it's like, well, this this keeps coming up. And the one thing, first of all, this all came up under under a lie. This 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 came up under the uh, the the assumption that this was just a one time deal over John Jones's training camp. When it turned out, no, this came up twice in August and September, and nobody did anything. So we could have had this full hearing, or we could have had this whole investigation in Nevada, and nothing would have. You know, and I feel like this thing could have been gotten out of the way. So the fact that they waited at this last minute uh, cost a lot of fans money, cost a lot of fans in Vegas the thrill of getting to watch this fight uh, is a huge bummer. The fact that it keeps happening with the same guy is a huge bummer. And the thing that is frustrating with with wanting to defend John is like, yeah, I'll sit here uh Till high heaven and say that's the best guy I've ever seen fighting in the octagon. But god damn, is he the worst person to defend? Because he he comes up, you know, his behavior this week at the press conference where he's telling uh, journalists, "You're a bad journalist." Next question, that's a bad question. It's like, no, it's completely fair, John, to ask you why is it always you? How is that not a fair question? That's not even a journalistic question. That's not a scientific question, John. Why is it always you, man? Why, why in this, in in a roster of six hundred, with other high-profile athletes, why is it that it doesn't happen to the other champs? Why? You know, some champs have weight-cutting issues. Some champs have had health issues, but performance-enhancing drugs. There's only one poster child in this in this USADA era, and it's and it's and it's John. And so. That, that I think is frustrating and these ideas where he, you know, we've seen denials from Lance Armstrong who came out and, and ripped John Jones this week, which was funny. 
and USADA this week, which was funny. Brian Braun, Rafael Palmero, like I can hear all the the defiant defenses you want. John's a liar. You know? This is a guy this is a guy who who has done a lot of bad stuff as far as his behavior and how he's acted and put up a phony front. And so you know, to to hear, oh, I, 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 you know, yesterday at the press conference, it's like if if this turns out not to be true, may God take all the talent out of my body. It's like, hey, man, God's not going to act like the monsters. What do you, what does that mean? May God take all the talent out of my body? Is God you? So you really think that if you're lying, God is going to take away you being six four and the most dynamic striker this uh, this sport has ever seen? Get the hell out of here. So the, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. What I really think should just be done is John being up there, apologizing to the fans that this happened. Sorry that I keep screwing up. Sorry that I keep that that my mistakes of the past, whatever they may be, uh, continue to derail my career. Don't don't sit up here and act like you know all this sabotage is is directed at you. That 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 to me is the worst part. And Dana White. Um, and Jeff Nowitzki, they both look like ass clowns this week too. Um, it was it was it was it was a bad look this week for the sport. It really was, and it didn't take away from it. Didn't make me want to watch Saturday any less because again, I'm not one of these uh, these holy rollers when it comes to PEDs. But to say that it wasn't a bad look for the sport or wasn't embarrass it wasn't an embarrassing look for the sport. You got your head in the sand if you think that's the case. It was a bad look for the sport. And, um, you know, we roll on into 2019. I want to see John Jones fight some more. I really want – see, this is the thing. I want the PED thing kind of put to bed with him. And I do think that having him fight Daniel Cormier again is going to put you in the opposite direction. So I'd like to see him fight Anthony Smith or one of the contenders at 205. And just go break off from the DC thing. I think it brings up too much. DC's already up there touting about the PED stuff. It's like, look, we already know that the UFC doesn't care about it, that the UFC is going to do what they can to protect their guy. So why are we going to continue to bring it up as a storyline if you're not going to do anything about it? Or there's not going to be proper investigation into it. We're all just we're all just saying like, ah, no, no, the scientists have looked at this and they say, it's old. It's like, all right, well, then Dana White's up there. You guys got to talk to Nowitzki. Nowitzki, yo, you guys got to talk to Usada. Everybody's passing the buck, man. The only, and the funny thing is, the only guy who wanted to sit up there and act like an expert was John Jones. And Dan, Dana White's like, you, you know, uh, so he's like, uh, well, who are the experts? And, and John's like, I'll answer that question. And Dana White's like, no, you will not. You will not answer that question. John, shut up. Like, they don't even want the guy defending himself or or stating his case because they know it sounds terrible. So that's my thought of this week is that overall terrible look for the sport. Um, doesn't take away my thoughts that John Jones, the best I've ever seen do it. And I hope we, I hope we can move John Jones into a new direction. I want away from the DC era. I want away from the performance enhancing drug storyline. Let's try and, go somewhere new with this guy if he's going to ever be the star people thought he could be. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Oh, want to make two notes. Two notes uh, before I get out of here. Um, tomorrow night is Tenshin Nasukawa versus Floyd Mayweather, just uh, in case you guys are looking for a bleep show to listen to. I also want to make a, a note of this. Um, Kamar Usman has been told that he is going to get the title shot at 235, UFC 235, whether it's against Tyron Woodley or not. I'd like to know where this thing stands. I'm very, very confused by the whole thing because I don't know if Tyron Woodley and Kobe Covington are just overplaying their money hand, and, and that's what the problem is. Like They're getting uh, too crazy on negotiations. That's seemingly what it is when somebody swoops in and takes a title shot like this. It seems like it's happened twice. These guys can't get on the same page. Because that, right now, to me, that's the ultimate grudge match. Forget John Jones versus DC. I want to see Colby versus Tyron Woodley. But for whatever reason, these guys can't get on the same page. And that's a colossal mistake by both guys' standpoints, uh, letting that pass over. Because, quite frankly, I think Kamara Usman can go and take Tyron Woodley's title. He's that damn good. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. The, that, that, that big fight may be going by the wayside. I also want to make this point. 
a C a, an Instagram video by Adrian Broner came out. Uh, he posted this video of himself at CVS. He's training down here in West Palm beach. And we had Adrian Broner on the show last week. Adrian, uh, was, I, I got caught up in the air saying, uh, we're rooting for you, man. Just one of those things. Sometimes I say to fighters just to kind of get, you know, off the phone, even though, um, you know, I really, if Adrian Bruno was fighting anybody else, I probably would be rooting for Adrian Bruno. Thank you for joining my show. Best of luck to you. But he's fighting Manny Pacquiao, who's one of my favorite fighters of all time. But aside from that, I do wish Adrian Broner, I did wish Adrian Broner all the luck in the world. This video comes out of Adrian Broner uh, berating a CVS employee over a flat soda. Um, it, 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 was, it was a really dickish thing. Uh, that he, I don't know why he's posting that. I don't know if that's just to get heat on himself, if it is legit. If this is a legit video, Adrian, I just want to say, rooting uh, rooting for you, rescinded. I take it away. I hope I hope Manny, Manny Pacquiao beats you. And that's it. Like, that, that, it was a gross video. I don't know if he thought he was being funny or whatnot, but this poor lady who's, like, working her ass off at CVS all hours of the night and has to deal with Adrian Broner's horse crap. Of uh, I have a flat soda. I can't pay two dollars for my flat ass soda. Why you know why he's drinking soda in the midst of training camp? I don't know. Uh, but even still, whatever. Let's say he's working that off. He's probably working more calories than any of us can comprehend. Even that being the case, come on, man. Like that. Like honestly, you, you know, you want this to be the, the the launching off point of your career. You want this to be your legend turning moment. And you're still doing dumb bleep like this. It was disappointing to see. Anyway, now I mean it. New Year's is uh, New Year's is upon us. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you in 2019.